And welcome back to episode 29 of the Parkrun Adventurers. I'm joined, as always, by Mel Urbacker on the Sunshine Coast. Hi, Mel. Hey, Scotty. How are you doing? Fantastic. Very relaxed this week. That's good to hear. You must have been for a run recently. Just returned from a run, which always makes me feel relaxed. Did you have a relaxing weekend? I know you had a busy one. Ah, there was, well, no, relaxing is not one of the words I would use. It was it was definitely a big one. Adventures abounding, as per usual. You're the adventure queen lately. I feel like I'm not pulling my weight in this relationship, in this partnership. <laughs> Every week you're off to a different park run, having a different adventurer, and I'm it's, at Studley. It's getting a little bit exhausting, actually. Um... But I've only got a few more adventures in the recent or the, the near future, I should say. So after that, things are going to settle down a little bit for spring, which I'm looking forward to, adventuring a little bit closer to home, which you must be enjoying. You're, you've got the benefit of, you know, Studley still relatively new, so you guys will be building a new community of runners around there, so you must be enjoying getting to know all the new people. I am. It's funny you should say it. I really am. It's one of the good things about starting out a new event again is, you know, you're building all these new friendships again, hopefully new friendships and meeting new people. It's great. And I'm, I'm in a vein of volunteering at the moment. I'm in a five-week stretch of volunteering. So not getting much running in, but volunteering is still fun. So that's good. But tell us about your fun on the weekend. You adventured up to far north Queensland? I did. I got to experience Early Beach Park Run this weekend, and that is event number 32 for me on the most events list. On Friday night, we had dinner with the Whit Sunday Running Club, who organised the event over the weekend for the Early Beach Powwow essentially, apart from Parkrun itself. That was great, meeting some of the local members of the running club and actually we got to meet a couple of special people, one of whom is a gentleman that I interview a little bit later. I interviewed him on Saturday after Parkrun. But it's interesting, he's interesting because he's a runner from France who is on a bit of an adventure himself this year and he had never heard of Parkrun. And it still always baffles me when I meet someone who is an established runner who does, you know, a decent amount of kilometres on a weekly basis and has still never heard of Parkrun. And on my home ground, I've pretty much recruited everybody I know even the non-runners amongst my family and friends, I've managed to drag along at some point to at least one park run. And here was some new non-park running... Oh, I don't have an adjective for it. Some fresh complete, blood. Some fresh blood. <laughs> yes, let's go back to the cult analogy and human sacrifices. Um, fresh blood. <laughs> to to introduce to parkrun and so basically 
because he does have a great story of the adventures that he is embarking on this year. I said, look, you would be amazing. I would love to interview you on the podcast. However, we're the parkrun adventurers. We only talk to parkrun adventurers and you've never done a parkrun. So you need to come to parkrun tomorrow. And we basically, between myself and my husband and Tim Oberg, who was also there, we signed him up on the spot. We got his barcode sent to Tim's house where Tim printed it out and brought it along in the morning. We picked him up in the morning outside of his hotel and drove him to Parkrun and then home again afterwards. So whether he wanted to or not, this man was coming to Parkrun and we made it happen. And it's been a long time since I've managed to recruit somebody completely new to Parkrun and it was very satisfying. So good job. You got him to Parkrun and you also snagged an interview with him. Adventurers, I would like to introduce you all now to Wilfred Palsy. Will is on an amazing adventure. He's just done his first parkrun today at Airlie Beach Parkrun. But Will, tell us what you're up to. So, yeah. Um, so my name is Will. Um, today I run with uh, Park, uh, Run Park. Uh, which was my first time. I, w- I was very good to run in 22 minutes. My first 5K with you was a great experience. Uh, and the weather was good. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to run a half marathon, 21K in, here in Early Beach. And it's going to be fun as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow, tomorrow will be the race number 29 out of 32. Because... The idea for me is to run 52 half marathon in 52 weeks throughout the world from January to December. So I'm very excited. Um, so far, so good. No injuries. I met a lot of people. I travel in 21 countries. Um, kind of have the feeling that it is the once in a lifetime experience for me. Uh, what the great thing with traveling so much is I can really trust my running community. Um, every time I travel in a, in a country, it's totally new. It's a blank page. I know absolutely nobody. And the country I've selected is totally unknown for me. And I'm able to meet people all the time from day one till the end of the week because I stay one week on average in every country. The only thing I do is to book one night. The first night is booked. But the rest of the time, I've just, I've just invited to people's place or people offer me a sofa or things like this. It's a, it's a great way to meet people, to interact with them, to, to learn a lot about people and different countries. Um, so I've been exploring Australia. I, I was last week in Cairns in an, an incredible trail. The week before, I was in Gold Coast. And I also travel in two other countries, in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, next week, I'm going to travel in Townsville. And then I'm going to... Uh, next week, I'm, I will change continents. Because the idea is to travel in five continents. I covered Americas, North, Central, and Latin America. I went to Asia. As a matter of fact, I ran in China on the Great Wall. <laughs> and in tourists, I'm going to cover Europe and I, I will run in 15 different countries in Europe 
and then Africa. So I'm very excited. <laughs> wow. And so where did your journey start and when? So my, started, my journey started in, uh, in Zurich in Switzerland. That was the first run. Um, it was a, a, a night run in, on New Year's Eve. And I was very glad. I was a little bit uh, scared because that was the very first time that I had to travel with my backpack and to say goodbye to my family, to, to my place. And 15 people came with me from Paris because I've, I live in Paris. And 15 people, France, runners, they, they traveled with me in, in Zurich. So I went to Zurich, I flew there, and they ran with me. They went home after the rest, and I kept on traveling. The week after, I flew to Florida. And the idea for me is to start from Zurich and end in Zurich. So I will cover all the countries I've mentioned, 52 runs, and if everything goes well, I will finish at the same place in Zurich, New Year's Eve again. So feel free to come. Wow, that is definitely a massive adventure. And what is the motivation that got you started and keeps you going? Right. So the motivation is uh, the the actually the real the the, the original uh, reason why I do it is because I've decided to run for charity. Uh, I decided to raise money for a foundation in France, which is called La Fondation du Souffle, which means literally the foundation for breathing. Um, every time I run. I dedicate this time to encourage people to donate to this foundation. And the, the second thing is I try to convince people to stay healthy, to quit smoking, to have a, a healthy life. These are the two components of this project. And the reason why, if we go even further, the reason why I do it is because I lost my uncle a few years ago. He had a lung cancer. He was a smoker. And uh, sadly, he, he passed away. So, all of these are good reasons for me to stay motivated. And I never uh, skip a race because I want to do something else. I just decided to keep the momentum at the highest level possible. And, and so far, I've been very, very, very good. Um, I've never missed a race and I've always enjoyed it. And last night we met you at the Anchor Bar in Airlie Beach and invited you to come along to Parkrun. It was the first you'd ever heard about Parkrun. So Airlie Beach Parkrun this morning was your first 5K, free 5K with a whole bunch of us crazy parkrunners. What did you think? How did you enjoy the experience? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was great, as I said. Um, it was nice for me to, to, to meet like-minded people, people who like running, but also people who just want to gather and, and meet other people. Um, I wish I knew this club or this community before because I've been running sometimes alone, for example, in, in Cuba or in Panama City because I couldn't meet people to run with me. Sometimes official runs are not available when I travel. Um, so I think I, I won't be alone anymore if I go to some countries where I can't really find anybody or even when I just want to, to, to get 
to, to meet a group of people for training. I think I'll be able to, to use this community and win again. Yeah. So you hear that, Parkrun Adventurers? Will is travelling to a country near you very soon and he would love to run with you. Absolutely. So get ready in Europe and Africa. That's going to be my, my, next, uh, my next journey. Yeah. Thanks, Will. Always love hearing a French accent too. And he's definitely on an adventure. Is he tired? Doing a lot of travelling and running. He looks very fresh. He looks fresh as a daisy. In fact, even after the half marathon on Sunday, he, he looked like he'd barely been out for a trot. So I think he's getting into the groove of it all. He's a fit dude. Okay, so you've done Early Beach Park Run. What are your thoughts? Well, I volunteered on uh, Saturday, so I took it fairly easy. I was trying to save my legs for 10 kilometers on Sunday. And I did it in a onesie, which was a bit confusing for everybody else at the event because nobody else was dressed up. But I had to explain to the other volunteers that Noosa Parkrun was celebrating their second anniversary on Saturday and being in my territory, I would normally be there. Unfortunately for me, I missed out because the anniversary date was slightly moved and yeah, I couldn't be there. But in honour of the fact that they were celebrating with a onesie and pyjama park run, I decided I would also wear a onesie in far north Queensland which was even though it was overcast it was a little bit sweaty in that onesie and I was dressed as Eeyore so I may have had blue fluff sticking to my legs and my arms when I took it off afterwards. It's a pretty course isn't it? It is a beautiful course I enjoyed it it had a little bit more undulations than I was expecting I'm also a little bit intrigued about, I, I understand the two laps, but I'm just not sure that they couldn't have been done a little bit differently, so you don't have to circle around the garden bed twice. Which was because my next it, question. Are they still very, going around the garden bed? <laughs> they are. Um, and it's, it's getting quite, because uh, it was a wet weekend, it was very muddy. So I think the actual foot traffic around the grassy side of it is possibly starting to do some damage and the grass is suffering a little bit. It's a quirk of the course. Maybe they're going to leave it. The event team at Ellie Beach Park Run were awesome. Very welcomed by Bob and Leslie and Justin and Cara who was the run director that morning. It was her first time run directing and she did a brilliant job. And it was also lovely. This is something I love about powwows. It's like, I will liken it to going to a hen's weekend before a wedding because you don't know most of the bride's friends usually and the hen's weekend is a really wonderful opportunity to get to know all these women that are important to this lady that's also important to you. And then at the wedding, you actually can talk to these people because you've met them before and you've shared some experiences and so you've got that friendship already built. And so Parkrun 
on a powwow weekend is just like that and as even the dinner on a Friday night everybody gets together you meet the new people you learn names you have conversations and then when you see them at the next running event over the weekend you continue to build on those relationships and by the time you come to the Sunday running event which in my case was the 10k run on Sunday morning although many others were doing the half marathon You've got all their names down pat already, you know, you can high five them on the course, you can cheer them along and it's just a really lovely progression over the weekend of getting to know people. It's like several weeks at a park run but all crammed into one weekend and I really, really love that atmosphere at Powwows. That does sound like a fun weekend and you must have capped it up with a stellar performance in the 10k I'm guessing. <laughs> Stella is the only way I perform, Scotty. I had a great 10K run. I ran the entire distance, so I was very proud of myself. I was a sub 90 minute finish, 16th in my age category. And guess what else? You're not guessing. You didn't sweat. No, I sweated, not as much as I did on Saturday when I was dressed in a onesie, but there was sweat involved. Guess again. You did it in normal clothes? Yeah, I wasn't even wearing... Oh, no, I was wearing a running club shirt. Yeah, but still relatively normal clothes for me. All right, you've obviously run out of ideas, so I'm going to tell you. I came 111th, and... It was a dead last finish. So we were chatting last week about how you had a DNF. Was that last week or the week before? Last week. Have you ever had a DLF? No, I haven't. Because they come with a whole different set of expectations or pressures in many circumstances. I, I've got friends who've come dead last and have been followed by an ambulance, you know, waiting to finish up. I've had people ripping the course down around me because this isn't my first dead last finish either. And there's always just this pressure that, you know, you're going to miss cutoffs. Often I'll ask people, oh, what's the cutoff for this event or what's the cutoff for that? And you can tell right away if they're one of those fast runners who's never had to consider a cutoff in their life because they just don't know. Whereas the people like myself who, you know, squeeze the most out of every nine or ten minute kilometre, we, we need to be concerned about cutoffs sometimes because it's not always fun to have somebody right up your clapper trying to tell you to finish the run or move faster. But it was not even remotely like that on Sunday. It was a wonderful experience. I had a great time coming dead last. And I can't explain well enough to the people who are concerned about coming last how much it doesn't matter. Because you just go out there and you enjoy your own time and... You cheer other people and there are other people on the course around you and they're doing their own things and yeah okay so what if the half marathoner who started 10 minutes before you finishes half an hour before you do it's all good it doesn't matter I had a great time 
It's often my experience that the person coming last often gets one of the biggest cheers. That's not the case all the time? Um, it, it, was, it was certainly the case when we were cheering the kids in in the two kilometres on Saturday afternoon. The, the child that came last got a very, very big cheer. Um, I, I did get a good cheer. I won't say that I didn't. However, because my event was a shorter distance, there were still people out on the course in the longer events. So I guess probably some people didn't realise that I was the very last. I imagine finishing and the course being packed up behind you is probably disconcerting and a disappointing experience. So I'm glad that didn't happen to you on Sunday. Yes, I, I, I have actually, when I finished my marathon, they had a red carpet leading up to the finish line and they were literally rolling up the red carpet as I was coming down to finish. And I was like, no, stop, stop what you're doing. I'm running on that damn carpet. And I managed to get onto the carpet. But that right there is my only did not finish because we were outside the cutoff time. So we ran a marathon distance, but I have a DNF for my marathon. How, how close? Um, I think it was about 18 minutes outside. I reckon it's crummy. Look, I, I do understand the idea behind having cutoffs. Just let people finish. And, and just because they finish, you know, on a footpath or after... Most people have gone home. At least let them have the credit of finishing. Don't give them a DNF. Well, if the timekeeper's gone home, then there's not any choice, really, is there? No, the timekeeper couldn't hang around for another 18 minutes. So busy on a Sunday. <laughs> yes, well, this is my unfinished business with marathon Duma doc and this is why one needs to go back and do it again it will be a wonderful adventure very shortly heading off to rio along with the australian olympic team we're now joined by jess trengove jess welcome to the podcast hello melon scott Hi Jess, are you excited or nervous, nervous excited about Rio? Look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Rio. Uh, there's only oh, there are five weeks to go now, so we've got three more weeks of hard training before the taper begins and certainly yeah, the anticipation and excitement is really building. I can't wait to get away from the winter actually. <laughs> now you did some training over in the US recently, Jess. Um, was that altitude training? It was, yep. I headed to Flagstaff in Arizona for well, just over four weeks for the month of May and it's something that I did last year and I responded positively to and uh, so went there again this year and really enjoyed it there. There are a great group of Australians training from um, all parts of Australia and I think we all really uh, reap the benefits of our time. And for those parkrun adventurers out there who've never done any altitude training, what are the benefits of that for athletes? Well, basically, there's uh, less oxygen in the air or the, the air is thinner and that um, I guess your body responds to that environment by producing more red blood cells uh, to 
yeah, compensate for there being less oxygen in the air. So when you then come down back to sea level, uh, training feels that a bit easier, I guess, for a couple of weeks. And if you have a race, um, you can certainly often feel a difference. Uh, different people respond uh, differently to altitude, so it's important to sort of see whether it works for you before doing it prior to a major race. Um, but, yeah, certainly I, I've seemed to have had a positive response when I've done it in the past, and so it was part of my preparation for Rio this year. Who were you over there training with? Was it the rest of the Aussie team? Well, it was a mixed bunch. We had, so from South Australia, Riley Cox and uh, Sophie Eckel. They're both in uh, Adam Diddick's uh, squad team tempo, so we shared a house. But we were, you know, joining in with training with Philo Saunders' group from Canberra. He had about... 12 people living in a house. Then Ken Green in Sydney had his Sydney Running Academy group there. Um, and then there were a few other athletes from various coaches who were, you know, staying in the town or, or with those other training squads. So, yeah, all in all, I, I think there would have been about 20 Australians over the time I was there. And do you like the group training environment? Do you find you push yourself a lot more? Yeah, I, I do. I love the social side of running. I came from a netball background and really enjoyed the team sport and, uh, you know, what that had to offer. So I was a bit nervous when I started focusing on running that I was opting for a really individual sport, but I haven't found that to be the case at all. I mean, from training camps like Flagstaff where you're living with other people and getting to go on long runs as a, a big pack where you are at a pace where you can sort of chat away and you go for coffee afterwards and also then things like the Australian teams where you're with another massive team again. It's actually a really social sport and I, I love that. I don't like to be out on my own for uh, too long. <laughs> when you're doing uh -huh. that many kilometres, surely you can't run with group the whole time. So what do you think about when you're on your long solo run? Does it do your head in? Yeah, look, it can. <laughs> um, I've got a few other you know, jobs and hobbies and things that I do outside of running and those times where I'm running on my own are, are great for going over things in my head, um, preparing for the day. I often do my, you know, long solo run in, a, in the morning. So if I have a, a talk that I'm doing later on that day or some physio work, I can sort of plan my day out and you know, go over the talk in my mind. Um, so, yeah, it probably is work-related thoughts that I have when I'm out there running. But other times, you know, if it's a nice day and the skies are blue, you know, you're just sort of out there thinking how, how good the scenery is and uh, how great it is to be running. <laughs> After all of those hours in the gym, I'm really appreciating being outdoors <laughs> at the moment. Now, Jess, most of us, when we decide to tackle a, a biggish event, we, we start training, you know, five or six months out if it's a marathon, for example. I imagine you just train every day. It's, it's part of your life. What, what does your training look like? When, when you got selected for Rio, obviously, had you started training before specifically for that with the idea that you'd be going there? Yeah, look, I've been um, training for marathons specifically since uh, mid-2011, but I've been running since I was in primary school. I loved school cross country and little athletics. So I guess I stopped playing netball to focus on running in 2008, and since then I've gradually increased my mileage, and um, that was actually the year that Adam Didick started coaching me, and he had a 
you know, careful plan mapped out to get me up to marathons eventually. Um, within a year, I'll basically continue running anywhere between a 100 and 140 kilometers per week. But when I get into that marathon specific phase, about three months before a marathon, I I up that um, mileage a bit more and really, um, I guess, place emphasis on the Sunday long run. Okay. And a couple of months ago, you actually sustained an injury to your foot. How has that impacted the way you've trained for Rio? Yeah, look, it's um, obviously it wasn't part of the plan, but um, we've been able to, you know, manage training and, and adapt things so that I basically was cross-training for a lot of that period up in Flagstaff. Fortunately, uh, Riley Cox, my teammate who was there, was also doing some cross-training. So we hit the gym together and pushed ourselves. And uh, I think I had about, yeah, you know, a few weeks completely off running and then I gradually uh, built running back into the program. So certainly I relied on cross-training for a lot of my cardiovascular fitness and then I've had to focus on strengthening my lower limbs and conditioning them for the 42.195 kilometres. So uh, the last few months have... Um, gone as as planned and I'm looking forward to another three weeks of really consolidating that that training prior to the race. How do you do with nutrition Jess because I can't keep food down and I hate gels and you know you've got to run really fast that's got to chew through the stuff that your body needs to fuel you for that how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, look, you do need a lot of um, energy to sustain yourself for the, uh, the entire run. I my sports dietitian, um, Olivia Warns from the South Australian Sports Institute, puts together a really thorough plan for me leading into race day. So that starts on uh, the Thursday night for a Sunday morning race where I'm really focusing on getting um, a lot of carbohydrates and the appropriate um, hydration and, and fluids in prior to the morning of the race. I will tend to have a breakfast on race morning, but that's something I've always done before races and it doesn't bother me too much. So certainly I wouldn't have anything too heavy, but maybe some toast and a banana and and uh, some other little snacks. And then during the race, I, I have the gels, but I, I have uh, tweaked which gels I use over the years to find one that I can stomach or four that I can stomach <laughs> throughout the race because... Yeah, they're, they're pretty uh, artificial and it's it's hard to tolerate them um, after a couple and especially when you're having a lot of electrolytes as well um, in your fluids. That's, an, that's another thing which is a little bit of a, a skill is taking in fluids while you're running. I, I'm, I don't run fast so I can't imagine what your body's doing when you're trying to chug down water and electrolytes. Yeah, well, there's the opportunity to have a, a drink at every five kilometres, and so I guess I don't try to take on too much in one in one. I guess bout. I'll hold on to my water bottle and have a few sips, and then I might hold my water bottle for another couple hundred metres, have a few more sips, and then throw it to the side. Uh, but I guess I really focus on getting a bit in early on in the race, so it's sort of the ten kilometre, fifteen kilometre, twenty kilometre marks. So that I'm not reliant on it later in the race when sometimes you just don't have the energy to reach for your water bottle. <laughs> you were also representing Australia at the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and you had a podium finish for that one. What did that feel like? 
yeah, it it was an amazing um, moment. I I just I loved everything about the Glasgow uh, Commonwealth Games. I guess I'd had some uh, injury travels leading into that race as well, similar to what I've had recently. And so I went into the race with a lot of unknowns. I, I didn't know if my body was ready for what it had coming. And my my coach and I had a plan and we, you know, I, I really trusted what Adam had said to me and um, we stuck to that plan and it all just sort of fell into place. And I was quite happy where I, you know, got myself to in fourth place and when I saw the girl in third slowing uh, with about, I don't know, four kilometres to go, I just suddenly had a bronze medal flashing into my head and I it didn't feel as much pain anymore, to be honest. I just was so excited and those finishing moments coming down the final straight were moments that I'll uh, cherish forever. So I was really happy with that race, but I think it was more rewarding and satisfying because of the challenges I'd had in the lead up and, you know, having my parents there and my brother and other friends um, out there supporting me on course too made it extra special. I actually watched you run that event live. We had awesome live coverage here in Australia at the time and you had the most magic smile on your face. Like you just made it look effortless and I thought, wow, she is really, really enjoying herself and that was wonderful to witness, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, on the final straight when you know that you're going to get to the finish not going to get to the finish line. It's it's really exciting. And I'd seen um, a teammate, Eloise Wellings, probably just before I turned the corner onto that final straight and to see her face and watch her sort of fist pumping really fired me up. So I think that was uh, what caused the big smile uh, down the home straight. <laughs> now, how does a Commonwealth Games bronze medal compare to a first finish at Mount Gambier Park run? <laughs> That was special, that park run in Mount Gambier. I'd actually uh, gone down there for a talk the night before and I hadn't planned on doing the park run. I just don't even think I was aware of it. And uh, one of the um, the men in the, the audience said that he was doing it the next morning and I thought that could work in really well with my session. So I called my coach and he said, yeah, go for it. So I, I uh, got up that morning and... Um, a short warm-up to the Blue Lake and I loved it. It was a tough course uh, but a fantastic sort of community and an atmosphere out there. It is a tough course. You did a 17.58. Is that you pushing it or is that just a cruise? Um, I've got a feeling I was just getting back after the Commonwealth Games. I was sort of getting back into some tempo runs so I think I was probably using that as a bit of a tempo threshold run, but certainly I I remember it was hard work with some of those hills and uh, it was a nice, cool, foggy morning. (laughs) It's not the only park run you've done. You've done a few in your hometown at Torrens and also out at Rhodes. Do you enjoy the park run experience? Oh, Absolutely, yeah. I've done a few at the Torrens and I've loved every single one. We often will have a few members of the Team Tempo group get together and everyone is just so friendly out there. There's always a couple of little uh, Jack Russells doing the run as well. And <laughs> um, The last one I did a few weeks ago was going in the other direction. So that was 
um, great to experience a new course as well along the river and uh, I hear there's one now at West Beach in Adelaide so I'd love to try that one. It's just it's a really nice way to get a good hit out and just in a really friendly but still competitive environment. And speaking of running events, you're also involved with the Kangaroo Island Marathon. Yes. Yeah, I headed to Kangaroo Island a few months ago now um, to check out the course and yeah, certainly I want to put that one on the list for one day. It looks really challenging but just so picturesque. You sort of run along this cliff coastline with the remarkable rocks up ahead and apparently it can be, uh, you know, pretty chilly there and uh, I think it would just be such a satisfying marathon to finish. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully ticking that one off one day. Are there lots of kangaroos on Kangaroo Island? Yeah, there are. There there are a lot. I um, had some photos taken in one of the parks and, yeah, we would have seen over 12, I'd say, roos while we were there and quite friendly roos. We could get within a few metres of them. So um, certainly you've got to be careful. They can be aggressive, but I think it gets its name from the large number of kangaroos (laughs) that actually live on the island. You are a woman of many talents, Jess, and this is something that particularly interests me because it hadn't really occurred to me until I started upping mileage when I was going to do my first marathon. What type of undies do you wear running? (laughs) Well, uh, these days I wear rundies. Um, So in 2012, I went to the US with my sister I bought a whole lot of the same underwear that I just fell in love with for running. They just became my token favourite running underwear. And in the years to follow, I really tried to find them again and just haven't been able to find the same ones out there. So early last year, I said, oh, I just don't know, you know, how I'm going to find undies that are quite the same. And the idea kind of popped into my head and my partner was excited by the thought too of actually you know, designing and and getting our own line of underwear made. And at a similar time, I'd seen my brother, Jack, who plays um, football in Melbourne, uh, he had a whole lot of Speedos on the um, drying rack. I said, why are you doing all this swimming? He's like, no, no, they're my match day day underwear. And so we sort of thought, well, maybe we could try and, you know, come up with something that's appropriate for just sports people in general. And uh, so Jack put his, um, I guess, ideas forward as well as to what underwear would be appropriate for footballers and, yeah, put our heads together and my, my boyfriend Dylan um, with his sort of engineering background was really good at putting together the design aspects and I've enjoyed more just the, the marketing and the art, art side of it and uh, that's our little business now. And this is a money question for you because I really can't stand it when I get a wedgie while I'm running. Do your rundies do that? Look, it's all about the fit. So if you get the right size, I think it's fantastic, particularly when you actually start exercising and and build up a bit of a sweat. Um, I, yeah, I don't find that they move at all once I'm out there running around and I just particularly like the the material. It's, um, I guess, got a bit of a sheen to it, a little bit more like bathers material 
and it um it dries quickly after the workout because often we'll go and get coffee after a run and you don't want to be sitting sitting in wet underwear so um, they're probably my favorite features Wonderful, yes. I actually asked this question to a whole bunch of park runners on Saturday morning to to see what underwear they preferred when they were running and um, it, it generated a lot of conversation actually and there was a lot of different variety in terms of what people replied. So I'm, I'm keen to try yours out. I will have to buy at least one pair. Well, it's something this we've put it out put out our first design, and we're really open to feedback, and we'd love to, you know, bring in a new style eventually, and then some coloured styles. We've just started very small, so if you've got any feedback or advice, we'd love to hear it because certainly we want to try and perfect the the running underwear as well because it can just be a distraction that you don't need <laughs> having bad underwear. So, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> I asked a similar question. The ladies as well didn't go as well, um, but you make them for <laughs> blokes as well, so blokes can get run. We do, yes, Great. yes, and they're both so that they're we see different styles, but they've both got the bamboo fabric and the the crutch area or the gusset they call it, and um, that's a really soft feel and and nice as well. So uh, it is funny because they look very similar. So some couples who have bought pairs sort of get them mixed up and. <laughs> You need to put your initials on them. (laughs) My husband has been known to run in my shorts when he took the wrong shorts to work with him for a run after a long day and he decided to try them on anyway when he realised and he didn't go without his run but I won't let him live that one down and now everybody in podcast land knows about it. (laughs) We'll be loving you for that. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with men running in women's shorts. I've done it. All the cool guys are doing it. (laughs) Jess, I'm going to go out and hunt down some rundies. Thanks for coming on our (laughs) podcast and super good luck in Rio. We're going to be watching with extra special attention now. Thank you. We'll have to see if there's a Rio Park run because we obviously did the Pollock Park one in Glasgow after the Commonwealth Games. Mossy and Robbo got a group together. So I don't know whether there's a Copacabana Park run, but... We'll look it up. You might just have to do a pop-up park run. Yeah, there's not an official okay. one, but I know Robbo is keen on getting a pop-up park run on the beach. Somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to happen. Sounds good. Make sure you look out for it. <laughs> Save some of your energy in the marathon for that. Okay. I'll be sure <laughs> Not. <laughs> good luck, Jess. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Jess was great, real treat getting an opportunity to speak to her before she heads off to Rio. During the interview, we touched on her Rundies range, and so when we knew we were going to interview Jess, we thought we'd go out and do some market research for her, just help her out, give her range a bit of a kick along. So Mel, you went out and asked a few people some questions. I did. I was a little bit too afraid to ask the gentleman park runners this particular question because I don't honestly want to know the answer. However, I managed to grab some of the local ladies. 
What kind of undies do you wear when you're running? OG because I'm vain. Preferably ones without holes in them. With what? I don't wear any. When I'm when I'm wearing these things. <laughs> Just normal ones. Ones that uh, don't show them. <laughs> Three tight. One that doesn't ice cream. <laughs> no. No? Just Bond's like Bond's briefs. Normal undies? <laughs> Black lycra song. Blue lacy. Clean ones. <laughs> Black boy leg bonds. <laughs> Commando. <laughs> G-string every time. Always G-string. Full brief. I also had a go at doing it. Do you want to see how that went? Do you need me to say yes? Okay, I'm going to give this a crack. Mel said it would be a good idea. So, so, excuse me, can you tell me what sort of undies do you run in? Excuse me. Just get away from me, creep. Okay. Nice one, Scotty. Maybe you should leave those sorts of questions to me in the future. Pro tip, stopped it after one. <laughs> so it's my lesson early. A couple of eps back, we did some reverse freedom runs. We asked you to send in your version of a reverse freedom. We got some, which made us very happy. We didn't got some from some places that didn't make us happy. Wow. Queensland. Seriously. High and dry is where I am. Nobody has come to the party from Queensland. I feel very alone and sad and underrepresented. Well, they're, they're the facts. I can't argue with the facts. We had four. Let's have a listen. So let's start. Let's start at Jill's. Take it away, Ross. This is Ross Petlin for the Parkrun Adventurers podcast at Jell's Parkrun in, in Inner East Melbourne. Just running uh, the course in reverse, which will be interesting. Uh, it's currently uh, 10 past 7 and about 5 degrees, which in the middle of winter is what you'd expect. Uh, uh, it is interesting that uh, it's currently foggy, so that adds a challenge to the visibility uh, I'm just going to do, uh, do a, one lap easy. So I'm just setting off on an easy pace, uh, mostly downhill at this point. Uh, I've just had to pause for a minute just to double check which way I'm supposed to be going. I guess that's the main challenge with um, doing your course reverse is that it's the same sort of area, but everything looks different and yeah, it's trying to work out where you're supposed to go. Uh, I think I turn right here. Uh, this could be a little longer than two and a half case, it turns out. Uh, this is just a check-in. Nope, it turns out it wasn't right, and I think I might have just gone the wrong way completely. Uh, it's been a couple of months since I've been at Jell's Park, and it's, uh, yeah, the, uh, the fog isn't really helping that much. So I'll just give a quick overview of Jell's Park while I'm trying to recalibrate my sense of direction. Uh, so Jell's Park Run has 
uh, in Melbourne boasts the most elevation out of all the park runs in Melbourne. It's uh, quite hilly. It's a course I would describe as being uh, net uphill. So I think Gordon Strava, it's like, it boasts something like 70 meters uh, of elevation. Uh, it's a net uphill course, so it's a sharp down and a sharp up, but I think the, uh, if you're going the correct way, the uh, normal way, the, um, just like down here, the, the uphill goes for longer than the uh, downhill. Okay, I think I'm, okay, I think I'm seeing where I'm supposed to go, so I'll just get back on track. Alright, so back on the right track, I've gone about halfway through the lap. Um, I've done all the downhill, so which is normally all the uphill on the regular direction. And I'm going up the hill now, and just to uh, illustrate how cold and foggy it is this morning, you can't actually, I've just, at the, from the bottom, you actually can't see the top of it. There's another runner off of the distance, fading away. Uh, listeners may hear the buzzing noise, but that's the uh, power lines under which we go. And, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see Giles do a full, commit to a full park run in reverse. It'd be interesting to see what uh, effect that would have on the times going for what would be regarded as a net downhill course, but then having to uh, go up this uh, sharp hill twice. So I just completed one reverse lap of the Gels Parkrun course, uh, but unfortunately when I paused to uh, get my uh, bearings, I forgot to... I committed the cardinal sin of uh, pausing my watch and uh, not starting it again, so unfortunately when I upload this to Strava it'll look a bit wonky, um, which is disappointing because I would have liked to see the um, what the elevation count for one reverse lap would have looked like. but. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So obviously with the reverse lap, the main challenge was, um, even though I'm in a familiar setting, it was, look, the course is totally different. Um, Elevation-wise, you're going, you're spending the majority of the time actually going downhill uh, as opposed to up. But uh, it'd be, yeah, it'd be one of those things I'd like to see a course, a uh, Dales Park Run course done in reverse. Uh, it wouldn't act, I actually wouldn't know if it would make it necessarily easier or harder because the start and finish area uh, is at the top of the top of the hill. So yeah, it would still have that sort of similar valley-esque uh, quality to it. Achieved what I meant to do, so yeah, had a nice experience uh, getting an easy run in, and um, now I'm ready to uh, volunteer. This is Ross Pentland for the Parkrun Adventurers signing off. Hello, this is Parkrun Adventurer Melissa, and I've got Paul with me. Say hi. Hi. We are from Berwick Springs, but we're down in Portland this morning, running our furthest event not yet done in Victoria. And we've got beautiful weather here in Portland. It's a clear morning. It's not too cold. There's no puddles to jump over. So we've decided to do their course in reverse. Now Portland's an out and back so we've run park run then we've walked back to the turnaround point to start again and do the park run in reverse which has worked well. We're taking it a bit easier because we went hard at park run and what position did you come today Paul? 
first. He's pretty happy about that. So a successful day, morning down here at Park, Park Run Portland. See ya! 34, 35. Hey, here comes Brad. Finishing his 100th run. 100th runner! Well, Alright, William Barlow. Heading back out. Just finished Jindera Park Run. 20 minutes, 18 seconds. Hey, Will. Pushing Penny in the pram. Hey! Penny's not enjoying the sun in her eyes. I don't know how long this will last. Go, Park Runners! Alright, we're in the shade now, Penny. Alright, I'm going to change the challenge a little bit. Running in reverse. That stays the same. But I'm only going to run to my daughter, who's five years old. They're still coming in. Alright, I've reached the road. Now, Jinandera Park Run is quite unique and that's probably one of the only park runs that has an actual road in it with cars on it. But there's not very many cars. I didn't see one today. The good thing about the road in reverse is the road is actually uphill. When you're running normally, it's a long, boring, uphill struggle. Now I can see Anthony doing his second lap with the pram. First lap without the pram. See you surf PB, 46 minutes. Anthony, yeah. All right, we're coming up to Mark, who's our right turn marshal for today. And hopefully he's gonna point me left, because I'm doing this in reverse. Point me left. Left, please. Coming up to Rupert and Hamish. Come on, Rupert. Hey Hamish, Hamish is a big black dog with the biggest tongue I've ever seen. Alright, we see April! Come on April! Are you ready? I'm going to race you to the finish, okay? Ready, set, go! Okay, we've just seen April and I've decided I will follow the rules of the challenge and run the whole thing in reverse, damn it. Hopefully that'll make her run a bit faster to try and catch me. Here's the tail runner. The tail runner has a, a little scruffy dog. Go April! We finally caught April. We're running into the finish. We've got 800, 800 meters to go April. Yeah. I'm going to run the whole way. Yeah, you're doing well. Can we see the finish yet? Can we see the finish? Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Okay, we're having a walking break now, April, aren't we? Yeah. How long are we going to walk for? 20 seconds. Go, April. Around that corner. There's the finish line. Come on, April. Push, push. Yeah, well done. Well, I did it. I ran. Put one park run forwards and then one park run Jinandera in reverse. And it was an amazing Canberra morning. 
started off four degrees, foggy, very, very foggy. And then just as we got to park run, the fog lifted and the sun came out. It was absolutely beautiful. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Tegan. And I'm Jules. And it was our idea to challenge you guys to a reverse park run. So we didn't think it was fair that we didn't have to do it ourselves. So we're currently sitting in the Gels Pavilion, the, the start point of the Gels Park Run in Victoria. And we've just completed Gels in reverse. I also did Parkville this morning, so I am definitely feeling it. And I did Coburg for the first time this morning and Gels is my home run. So I was very nervous about doing Gels backwards, mostly because of Scotchman's Creek Trail. Um, which to people who've run gels will know is the nice big downhill part. So I can now happily say that my fears were completely justified, <laughs> but I conquered that hill twice. Uh, Jules did park run here at gels for the first time uh, three weeks ago. So how do you think it compares doing it backwards? Uh, I, I didn't, because it, it was my only my second time here, uh, I didn't really know where I was going, so I was following you, so I didn't know where the top of the hill was, so I thought it was actually easier than my brain could, like, as far as I could see, then we just turned right, and then I was like, yes, it's down here from here, uh, here to go to the start, but uh, yeah, we did it, and uh, it's definitely breakfast time. It's definitely breakfast time, and as a Zoolander, I have to say, technically it is easier in reverse, because there are much more right turns, and as we all know, Zoolanders aren't very good at turning left. <laughs> Have a great day, parkrun adventurers. Enjoy your running. Bye. We started at Gels. We finished at Gels. Three out of four from Victoria. And and how awesome were those reverse freedom runs? Like, seriously. They all sound like they're having a good time. I don't know. Queenslanders. They're just missing out. So are the West Australians, for that matter. South Australians and New South Welshmen as well. Hmm. Let's see if we can't get some of you a little bit more excited about future challenges. People are still excited about Instagram. Mama of Hope, she visited Coburg Park Run and she rates it. Yeah, I saw those pics. She had a great time at Coburg on the weekend. Recreating Mel said, hashtag Parkrun Adventures at Laylor this morning. A beautiful, crisp, sunny morning for a PB. Congratulations, Recreating Mel. PBs are few and far between in my experience, so well done you. Coburg, Laylor, both from Victoria. Finding my balance was out Parkrun Turizingham. <laughs> See, it doesn't work. Just ladies, Parkrun Adventuring. With her mates, Kuvera and Haley jane at Meadowbrook Park Run. She, they went to launch. Gorgeous morning, wonderful atmosphere, and a beautiful course. And Kuvera also posted on Instagram and said, Don't count the sessions, make the sessions count. I love that saying. Hey TJ, who we just heard from, who was at Gels, but this weekend she had a beautiful park run, another beautiful park run, when they went over to Altona Beach Parkrun. Nod Lightyear was out there. Parkrun time to fly, doing another awesome jump shot at Westerfolds on the weekend. I'm no good at the jump shots. I, I just don't think I can get enough air or maybe my timing is wrong. It's just something missing. Yeah, it's not my specialty either. It's a skill, there's no doubt about it. Hmm. I think the skill is getting the communication with the photographer a long way out. <laughs> you need to make the eye contact. 
let them know you're going to go for it. Yeah. Not just get that awkward shot where you look like you're squatting and looking at the ground. <laughs> or where it's the shot before you've actually left the ground. So you're in jump pose, but you're actually still attached to the ground. <laughs> I've done a couple of those. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe we need to... Um study Vanessa Gibson's video about how to do the perfect jump shot and see if we can't get out there and get one happening at some point in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, Google that. Where will we find that? Sandgate? Sandgate Facebook page. you probably find that video. It's a good one. Uh, will B, 1981. He had an easy run at Burley Griffin Park Run, uh, but Penny got very upset with the sun in her eyes and then just couldn't get over it and cried until her sister finished. Well, come on, Penny. Don't don't spoil it for everyone. <laughs> She's a tiny girl. Leave her alone. I hate it when I get sun in my eyes. I chuck a tantrum if I've forgotten my sunglasses. Sorry, Penny. Just having fun <laughs> at your expense. Jen P said it was a family affair with my cousins and parkrun touring slash adventuring today at Parkville Parkrun. And a bonus PB for her. Congratulations, Jen. Our guests from last week, the Run Beyond Project, they Instagrammed their girls at Evans High, were presented with certificates during their school assembly today for their run at the Ponds Park Run during the school holidays. Well done, girls. Park Run underscore hearts reposted at Macalicious21 at Lilydale Lake Park Run. I don't know if you guys have seen these, but it must be... It must be um one of those photo apps where you can take a photograph of something and invert it so that it's the mirror image and people have been doing this specifically parkrun underscore hearts has been taking photos of the parkrun flags and then flipping them cutting them and flipping them so that they're the mirror image and make a love heart shape so that that's pretty cool over to facebook and we've had some Updates on the Compass Club in the past couple of weeks. Peter Pullman actually, in response to the original question I posed about what we should call people who enter the Compass Club after they have done all four points of the Compass, he suggested that we could call them Cardinals or Explorers or Adora, Pointers or travellers. So these are all excellent suggestions. More recently we had Nicholas J. Sando suggest navigators and I've posed the question to Christine who is my partner in crime in creating the Compass Club and Chris and I are both on board with navigators. Myred McDougall. She was at uh, Aberdeen Park Run in Scotland with former Shepparton Park Runner Roe Frankel this week. Mark Caldercourt was at Bushy Park and shared a video with us this week. And this was a very special video. Did you watch it? Of course I watched it. That's how I know it's special. He took footage of the deer at Bushy Park just for Scotty. You guys should stop by our Facebook page and check it out because it's very sweet. But he mentioned that he was worried about being charged. 
Like, is that a thing as well? Maybe I'm not so excited to see the deer anymore. Gee, you're fickle. And Michael Scott gave us a review on our last episode. Nice work, Mel and Scott. Excellent interview with Shelley Coots. We agree. And a great story on Kids Development Program. He was also intrigued by another club to join as an adventurer with the Compass Club. Brendan Scholarly checked in and told us that he was going to be listening to the last episode whilst driving to work at 4am. And now this, this got me to thinking, and I have a question for all you listeners out there. Where is the weirdest place and or time that you've listened to the podcast? Because I want to know... But I, you know, I think I think there are some interesting places in the world that people could listen to podcasts. I want to hear if they've been out on their trampoline while they listen to the podcast, or you know, all all sorts of random places. Melissa Ellis enjoyed the beautiful weather at Maribyrnong Park Run's 100th event with a bunch of Berwick Springs adventurers. It was such a lovely run that Hubby and I decided to add on our long run afterwards. Plenty of track to run around Maribyrnong. So good idea, Melissa and hubby. We've got a couple of launches coming up this week. We've got one in New South Wales. Bathurst is ready to launch. And I'm told it's not around Mount Panorama. Is that the course? That's, you mean, of where the race car drivers go? Panorama? Yeah, I believe. I think so. Okay. And Weeper in Queensland are also launching. Next week we're not actually going to be here. So we're going to let you know that next week there's going to be a launch at Christie's Beach in South Australia. What do you mean we're not going to be here? We talked about this Scotty. We we did, you and I. Next week we're going to have a week off. Or are we? Upcoming anniversaries, we've got Coomera in Queensland celebrating their fourth with crazy hair. Maryborough are having their first anniversary and they're celebrating with Christmas in July. And if I'm not mistaken, Mel, you're on your way there. I certainly will be, yes. So now the important decision must be made. Do I go a Santa or an elf? And next week... There are no anniversaries the next week that I bring up because we won't be here. Okay, so now that we've got you all used to the idea that next week we're not going to be here, we can tell you that next week we're not going to be here because we're going to have a little mid-year holiday. Just a quick refresher. Don't look for us. Don't look for our podcast number 30 next week because it's not going to be there it's going to be there in the first week of august give those who have fallen behind an extra week to catch up so that's it for this week what are you going to do next week mel you're going to have all this free time on your hands um i might try to remember what i used to do before the park run adventurous podcast one thing before we go mel i do have to thank you what for scotty you gave me the hot tip that uh, Cadbury have released a special edition. And I went out and purchased some of the tropical pineapple chocolate. Oh, yum. Is it not the best 
of all the snack chocolate varieties? That's a big call. I think there's a bit of Queensland bias coming out of you there, but it is in the top three. Well, what would possibly trump it? I'm partial to the orange. Orange? Meh. And? And I don't, don't even, I don't mind the strawberry either, out of the snack. Those are, no, those are weak imitations. You need the vibrance of the pineapple. The only way, I, I love this new bar, and in fact, every time I go shopping, I buy another one, just because I know it's going to be limited edition, and it's been about five years, I think, since they've had this released. They, um, the only way they could possibly make this block of chocolate any better would be if they put the individual pieces of chocolate in the shape of the pineapples like they've got them on the snack. I was going to say, that's the cool part about the snack. And does it really taste like pineapple is my other question. I'm not denying its deliciousness, but is it pineapple flavoured deliciousness? There's definitely a tropical pineapple flavour to it. I mean, it wouldn't be proper pineapple because that would just be crazy. 